listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 13th of June, 2023. Later in market day, why global markets are rising ahead of the US inflation report and US interest rates decision later this week. But first, to the quality of advice review. And the government is adopting 14 of the 22 recommendations in the review. The most interesting, the ability for super funds to offer financial advice. That's as 5 million Australians approach retirement with an average super balance at retirement of about $200,000. For more, I spoke with Glenn McRae. He is the CEO of the Association of Superannuation Funds of Australia. Glenn, 14 recommendations. What do you see as the key ones? Look, these recommendations are grouped into three main categories. Uh, And the key ones here are about reducing red tape, which will benefit not only uh, people giving advice, but consumers, making some of that paperwork a bit more consumer friendly so they can understand it. But also the other key recommendation is about targeting retirement and enabling super funds to play a bigger role uh, and ensuring people have the necessary information to be able to retire uh, and have better retirement incomes. Can you give me a practical example of how this will actually help consumers? What kinds of questions can they now ask? Yeah, look, the legislation is still to come, but the key aspect of this is a thing called intra-fund advice. So effectively, that allows you to ring up your super fund Uh, they've got information on your balance. And what we're looking to change is enable you to give some additional information, such as uh, your spouse's balance, uh, whether you may or may not receive the age pension, uh, and just providing a little bit more information will allow the fund to give you a bit more context in terms of what type of retirement you'll get and what sort of income. And often with intra-fund advice, it is a lot cheaper than full advice. So uh, the ways uh, often funds charge for that is they might put a fee on everyone uh, and now they'll enable you to give them a call, add a couple of questions or a little bit more information, and you'll get able to get a pretty cost-effective view of your retirement. What do you think this means for the industry in general? Because we saw over the past few years an exodus of financial planners from the sector. Yeah, there's about 15,000 financial planners in the sector at the moment. Uh, Obviously, this will mean that for a lot of financial planners, there'll be opportunities for them to work uh, with super funds and provide services to members. So there's a real opportunity, I think, for advice more broadly in the sector to really support uh, members and consumers get better retirement outcomes. So this, I think, is a positive, uh, and it's obviously a huge positive for funds. They're going to have greater flexibility to meet the needs of consumers uh, because a lot of consumers don't understand the differential between personal advice and intra-fund advice. Now they won't need to worry. Now all they have to worry about is making sure uh, that they're chasing up with their fund uh, and getting advice that will lead them to a better situation. Final question, what about consumer protections? I mean, some have argued that um, a lot of these changes water down consumer protections. Um, What kind of appropriate safeguards are in place? Look, at the end of the day, consumer protection is crucial. We know there are a lot of uh, people, fin influencers uh, and scammers who want to take your money away. Uh, And we're certainly aware that the government is, is tackling that. 
The reality is these reforms don't really water down consumer protection at all. What they do focus on is making it more fit for purpose, looking at some of the information you receive and making sure you can understand it. So moving away from a sort of a tick the box exercise to something consumers find useful. So not only uh, impacting on that accessibility, but also affordability as well. We know a lot of people don't access advice. We're going to make it more affordable. These reforms will make a play a big part. So basically, this is a good win for consumers. Uh, and it's a good win for those who want to provide advice in relation to retirement. Glenn McRae there, the CEO of ASFA, and the opposition has called the review or the responses to the review a half-baked solution which creates an unequal playing field benefiting super funds. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. Australian share market has started the uh, shorter working week on the front foot. The S&P ASX 200 up 0.2%, 7,138. For more, I spoke with Josh Gilbert. He is a market analyst at eToro. Josh, we're continuing to see local economists revise up their expectations for peak interest rates. NAB now the latest to forecast a terminal cash rate of 4.6%. We've got the US decision on interest rates this week as well. While a pause may be on the cards, there's still talks of further interest rate rises. Yet, global markets are still rising. The S&P 500 up overnight. I see that today also the, the Nikkei 225 index in Japan uh, breaching 33,000 points for the first time since July 1990. Why? Well, I think locally, I think the share market is, is well underperforming global shares. I think that's worth sort of noting. And I think that points towards the sort of the unexpected hawkishness that we've seen from the RBA this year, which is sort of wrong-footed investors. In the US, on the other side of that, I think there is still talk of further hikes, as, as you sort of say. But markets are sort of betting, you know, another big fall in inflation this week. You know, core um, inflation, which is Jerome Powell's headache, is is making sort of progress. And I think that investors are are believing that that inflation is moving in the right direction in, in the sort of the US. The economy is slowing, but it's not sort of slowing too aggressively um, in, in the idea that it's sort of, you know, bringing up um, recession expectations. We had sort of some mixed job num- jobs numbers, non-farm payrolls was was good news. That meant good news for markets because actually jobs weren't sort of declining uh, as much as the market expected. Um, but I think the key here is that, as you say, if we if we. If we get a pause from the Federal Reserve this week, I think it will be met with sort of still a hawkish stance, um, keeping rates where they are. You know, Jerome Powell isn't going to sort of be celebrating a victory over inflation just yet. Um, but, yeah, markets seem to sort of shr- shrug off um, rate hike expectations in the hope that, you know, economy stays strong and that we see rate cuts by year end. Here, though, energy shares are having a really bad day. The price of oil at its lowest since about December 2010. I'm assuming that's tied to the global economy, right? Absolutely. Yeah, look, economies are slowing, as, as we sort of mentioned there, um, and that is stoking fears uh, obviously, of a slowdown in, in sort of demand. Um, I think the, the biggest sort of struggle here has been from Goldman Sachs. They've revised their, their oil price targets lower for sort of the third time this year, which has put a lot of pressure on oil prices and that's coming from you know high supply and lower demand um so it's that imbalance that we're sort of really starting to see throw in then you've obviously got china as well whose economy is is obviously struggling um demand is really weak there 
they're the second biggest consumer of oil worldwide. So that is just a toxic mix right now, which isn't working very well for oil and is putting obviously energy prices uh, of local stocks are under pressure. The good news, though, I would say, is that any energy prices is good news for consumers. And it's also good news on the inflation front, right? If we're seeing energy prices come down, that should then also translate into inflation moving in the right direction as well. So while oil stocks were under pressure today, tech stocks did well. Do you know why? Look, U.S. tech shares, I think, uh, are, the, are the big thanks there. Um, they're absolutely flying right now. You know, we've got the Nasdaq up 30 percent year to date. Uh, and I think the local tech sector is just feeling the tailwind from that. Um, we've got this sort of continued buzz from artificial intelligence, which is um, sort of creating some great sentiment around the sector at the moment. And investors are sort of brushing aside valuations. Um, they sort of believe that these companies can can continue to grow at a rapid rate. Um, and I think that we spoke about rate hike expectations and, and just rate expectations in general. Markets still believe that we will see rate cuts by year end in Australia. Uh, and that's good for tech shares. And, and that's why we're continue to, continuing to see this strong performance. Can we talk about the consumer in a bit more detail, especially those that eat pizza, right? So Domino's shares took a, a bit of a tumble today. Um, at the same time, though, consumer confidence, according to Westpac, remained at recessionary levels. What do you know about it? What do you know about what's happening at Domino's and the implications of the consumer slowdown? Well, inflation pressures for, for Domino's in particular, um, alongside those sort of um, squeezed household budgets that we're seeing, haven't made a, a good mix uh, for the business uh, and their sales growth is, is ultimately reflecting that. I think good news for investors, though, is that it looks like they're going into cost cutting mode. Um, that's worked really well over over in the U.S., um, with a lot of companies just sort of transitioning towards just complete efficiency. And I think that's going to be um, something that could could bear fruits if it, if it pays off. And, and you know, that could create an opportunity around these levels uh, for the business in particular. But having said that, consumers, you know, are feeling the pressure from what the RBA is doing right now from inflation that has continued to stay elevated. So whether that means if they're spending on discretionary items such as pizza, you know, that that sort of is, is you know, is unknown. But the consumer confidence perspective as well is, is also, um, you know, you're pretty weak. I think we sort of stemmed some of the bleeding there today from the rise in, in minimum wage, uh, which really helped. We also have house prices that, you know, sort of are teetering on that cliff, but they haven't yet fallen. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, Australia has some of the most indebted households in the world. So rising mortgage prices are really hurting them. But ultimately, if their house prices are still staying higher, consumers are going to feel more confident about that. So I'm a little bit worried in terms of consumer confidence as we go through the next couple of months, because if house prices do begin to fall, which it looks like they may, uh, then that's where we could see consumer confidence come under more pressure. Finally, um, given this environment we're in, it's quite interesting. Are there any opportunities for investors? We've spoken a fair bit today, I think, about U.S. markets, and they've obviously had a, a particularly strong run. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a slight slowdown there if those rate expectations do grow in the US, right? So if if Jerome Powell, um, you know, decides to, to, to raise interest rates this week, which would surprise the market, we could see some weakness. But on the opposite side of that, I think if rate expectations are dialed down, rate cuts continue to be priced in for the rest of the year, I think tech will continue to perform well. Uh, and I think it will uh, will keep driving higher. 
outside of that, I also think there's some opportunity in China. Lots of weakness there so far this year. The Hang Seng is, is clearly the global outlier among uh, global indices. And I think that, you know, creates some really attractive valuations. And for sort of those contrarian investors, I think they'll see some opportunities there as well. Josh Gilbert there from eToro. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 